Storehouse Dallas. This is our fifth series or our fifth installment in the series Kingdom Wealth. And as you notice that, um, you know, when you talk about kingdom wealth, we haven't been focusing that much on um, money, even though money is a part of the system of the kingdom. And God set it up that way, praise the Lord, uh, because he wants us to be uh, prosperous. Um, But uh, I've been trying to really focus on the system of the kingdom and how the kingdom works. And, um, and so this morning, I want to review a little bit about uh, what our goal is. Our goal is to preach the kingdom of heaven so you, can, so you can understand that there is a new system or a way of living that God put in place for us so that we can be prosperous. He died to make this available for us. Jesus, here's the good news. Jesus did not die on the cross so that he could create a religion. He died on the cross to make available a new kingdom or a new operating system that we can function in so that we can make the earth look like heaven. So we can be sons and daughters, right? Uh, So the kingdom is a system that's built through seeds. And he tells us this as Jesus not only did he tell us, but he also demonstrated how the kingdom works. Okay, I'm going to preach the kingdom, and now I'm going to show you the kingdom. I'm going to preach the kingdom. I'm going to multiply food. I'm going to preach the kingdom. I'm going to raise the dead. And so all of this is within the kingdom. And so as a charismatic people, we believe in the word of God, and, and we look and we believe in the power of God, right? And so so we're like, yes, we believe in prophecy. Yes, we see prophecy. Yes, we function in prophecy. Yes, we believe in healing. We believe in the raising of the dead. But when it comes to our money, all of a sudden we're like, oh no. No, no, I got this. No, I got this. And so you see the church is kind of the last to the party when it comes to finances, when it comes to being prosperous. And so you have a poor church, I mean, only like 20% of the church even tithes. Think about that for a minute. Think about what that means for advancing the kingdom and sowing into missionaries, buying hospitals. And, and one of the, uh, I think it was the third, second or third installment of this message is I was talking about the purpose of wealth. The purpose of wealth is so we can take the seven mountains of influence and we can be the ones buying the hospitals, feeding the poor. I'm planning on buying CNN and renaming it Christian News Network. I mean, come on. Seriously, we should be the ones that own the government mountain. We own the the mountain of media. We own the mountain of arts and entertainment, but it's going to take money to do that. And as long as we have a poverty mentality, we will never ascend the hill of the Lord. God gave us money so we can take authority, not so, I mean, you know, so we can enjoy it as well. And that's actually in the word. So we can enjoy it, but also take authority of, uh, of his kingdom, of the kingdoms of this earth. 
So um, he's given us seeds that are sown and they are reaped. We prosper through understanding how to distribute these seeds to partner with God to create the future that God has for us. Now, what did I just say? I said, God has given us his son so that we can create the future. Now, that's really important because we think in terms of Christianity as God chooses winners or losers, that if I just beg enough, if I just ask him enough, if I just plead enough, then God's going to answer my prayers. But he sent his son to die on the cross to give us everything we need to prosper. And every single person, he knew you before the beginning of time. He carried you in his heart. You are the joy that has been set before him, and your story has already been written. And so he's like, who is the one that's going to come to me to get your story? Because as, I, as, as he has written it, so you're going to have to narrate it. You're going to have to go to a place of prayer and say, all right, what page are we on today? Because I'm going to read what you're writing, and I'm going to hear what you're saying, and I'm going to take that seed of your word, and I'm going to distribute it into the earth, and when I do, it will create what you said. This is beyond good news. Because you know how hard it is to do that? You know, I'm not going to be sweating, repeating what somebody is saying to me. This is not toiling. I'm not going, whoo, man, that was hard. God said X, Y, and Z. Oh, man, I am worn out. What about you? No. This is entering into his rest. So in John 1, 14 John wrote this, he said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. See, the word was made flesh, and then when you repent and believe and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the word becomes spirit and lives on the inside of you. So you carry around Christ on the inside of you that is the living word of God. And he's like, I need you to not say what I don't say, because when you don't say what I'm saying, guess what happens? Everything in your life is going to stop. Your forward momentum will stop. Do you know that the word complaining in the Bible means stop? Yeah, right? That's what I say. Wow. And this word, you know, when, we, when, we, when, when Jesus came, when John the Baptist came, they both said, all right, listen, we're going to help you guys out. We need you to shift We've come to shift you into a new operating system, okay? Into a new lifestyle. So you're going to have to change your mind. 
And so the most of the body of Christ, they see the word repent and they think it means forgive me. God, forgive me because I've sinned. But that's not what it means. Jesus said, you have to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't say repent for your sins are forgiven. He said, repent, which means change your mind. Change the way you think because the way you think is wrong. You're stuck in a system of the earth. And in order for you to be born again, you're going to be born again into a new kingdom. And within that kingdom is a new way to live. And I'm going to teach you how to live. I'm going to show you how to live. I'm going to exchange the kingdom of toiling with the kingdom of of rest. But if we continue as a church to, to, to believe that Christianity is a religion, then what happens is we are going to major on behavior management. And we are going to be like, we just need to try to be good and not sin. And so you have the church that's gotten into the, and eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong, and a bunch of rules. That's what the church is, and that's what I thought. That's the reason I never wanted to become a believer when I was, you know, doing shots on 6th Street and lines of cocaine. I mean, I was like, who wants to do that? That's no fun. I had no idea that this is the, this is the truth of the gospel. Nobody ever said they were like, okay, here's what happens. You know, you're going to come in and, and, and you're going you're gonna to be a believer. And then you're going to try really hard to be good. And you can't do any of that bad stuff anymore. And da 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 And, 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 and uh, then when you die, you get to have fun. You're going to go to heaven and, and all your tears are going to be wiped away. And I'm like, wow, I've got like another 60 years to try to be good. And that seems like exhausting to me. Now, thank God. Thank you, God, that you came to get me. And so God came to get me, and he broke in with the audible voice, and he said, rebuild my temple. Rebuild something that is what I had in my heart all along, which is a supernatural transformation that happens through the word of God. So now I focus on the beauty of Jesus and his words because the prophetic is really what he came to release, which is why at Pentecost, what did Peter say? Peter was like, okay, look, the spirit has now come. Jesus was the word made flesh. Now Jesus is the word made spirit and he has now come. Why? Over and over, Acts 2, what does he say? So that your sons and daughters will prophesy. So your sons and daughters will listen. We have it over the doors. Access heaven. They'll access heaven. They'll say, "What God, what are you saying? What are you saying? What are the words that you are saying? So that they can transform the earth. So here are some basic principles about the power or the seed of word of the word of God. So Um, All throughout the word, when Jesus came, what did he do? He came to fulfill the law, which means that he came to fulfill the word, right? So, So what he did is all throughout his life, he was a sign and a wonder of the fulfillment of the word that had already been spoken. So here's how the prophetic works. And so God is gonna speak 
And when you say what God said, it's going to function in the same way that it did for Jesus. So Jesus uh, came and, and, and there was a virgin birth, right? So he came through Mary. That was a virgin. It was a miracle. Why did that happen? Because in Isaiah 7, verse 13, it said that it would happen. That's why it happened. Because God came first with the word, and then the word created the natural. Now, follow along with the system of the kingdom, because this system works 100% of the time. Next, he's born in Bethlehem. Why is he born in Bethlehem? Because the word said in Micah 5.2 that he would be born in Bethlehem. Well, okay, that's a little bit of a problem, because he's in Nazareth. So the word of the Lord is already in the earth. Therefore, the word got Herod to call for a census because the word knew that they had to be in Bethlehem. Think about the power of what I'm saying to you. The word of God took a whole scenario and created a whole scenario over a nation with one objective. Got to get married to Bethlehem. All right, when Jesus came, he's hanging on the cross. And uh, the word said in Psalm 22, verse 7 and 8, that he would be mocked. The word says, everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. I may have actually been reading out of the ESV. I think y'all have the new King James version up there. All right, so what happens? Jesus hanging on the cross, okay? Matthew uh, chapter 27, verse 42 and 43. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he is the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now and we will believe him. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Why did they do that? Why did they say that? Because it was spoken that they would. The power of the word of God will go out and perform exactly what God said it would. So he took and he controlled exactly what these men were going to say. You know that as Jesus is hanging there, he's like, mm-hmm, Psalm 22, verse 7 and 8, check. All right, now look at this. They gambled for his clothing. All right, Psalm 22, verse 18, New Living Testament. They divided my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Matthew 27, verse 35, there he is hanging on the cross again. After they had nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for the clothing by throwing dice. Guys, you can't make this stuff up. These are Roman soldiers. It's not like they're reading the word of God in order to then reproduce it. But the word of God has already been spoken 2,000 years beforehand, but the word of God is still active. 
the word of God. Now listen to me. This is really important. The word of God controls the actions, the mind, the behavior of men and women. The word of God will take your scenario and situation and transform it. And it will line up with, God, with what God has in his heart for your life. But the problem has been the majority of the church does not believe that God still speaks today. Therefore, nothing is moving. A nation will die if the word of God is not active and a people in the land not there to know how to work the word. Jesus said that the least in the kingdom would be a greater oracle of God than the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. John the Baptist, because we have the living word on the inside of us. Jesus said this in Isaiah 55, verse 11. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to. It will prosper everywhere I send it. And so, so, so if you think about a kingdom, you think about something like building blocks, right? You think about how God builds. God builds with his word. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. When you wake up in the morning and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I got to go to work today. The first thing you should be thinking is I got to work in a place of prayer before I work the work of my hands. Because if I work in prayer, which is just basically listening, what happens is that the things that you're hearing and the things that you are then saying out loud, that will actually go out and do the work for you. Yes. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews uh, 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. I'm going to read out of the uh, New International Version. Uh, For the word of God is is alive and it is active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This word active actually means that it has a creative element to it. It's, uh, the Greek is called energe, which is a compound word, which is where you get the word um, energy. And it means this. It means to be engaged in work, capable of doing, active, powerful, and effective. This adjective and its other forms are used in the New Testament only of supernatural power. And so what he's saying is that this word is active, which means that it has a creative element to it. God spoke the earth and the world and the universe into existence. As you speak, what happens is that that word has a creative element to it. It is anointed by God. 
It is anointed because you have the anointed one. Christ means anointed one. So you have the oily one living on the inside of you. And as you speak, your words are actually anointed to go out and creatively create the scenario and the situation that God has spoken. So instead of saying, I need breakthrough, I need breakthrough, I need breakthrough, Lord's like, you've got breakthrough living on the inside of you. I'm not trying to choose winner or losers. I'm not, God's not up there going, yes, no, maybe. He's saying, if you will dust off the word and war with the word, then the word will work for you. But a lot of us forget and we start navel gazing and throwing a pity party and we're like, I'm just so sad and nothing's working for me. And he's like, I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure that I'm the God of the universe and you got me in here. So you need to use what I've given you already. Amen. The scripture is describing how the words work creatively to establish your future. The writer of Hebrews is saying that the seed or the word of God penetrates and divides soul and spirit, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Okay, when he's saying that it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, it means this. The word is actively dividing between soul and spirit. And when it says that it's judging these attitudes of the heart, think about the Roman soldiers. They're there with their dice. They're there gambling for the clothes of Jesus, right? So what has happened is that the judge has come with his word, which will decide what they will do. A judge does what? He decides. He makes the decision how that's going to happen and who's going to win. Well, he, he's, when he decides, he decides, I'm on my side. My word is going to win. My word is going to go out and achieve everything that I've already decided. So therefore, those Roman soldiers were coming under the authority of the word of God, and they had to respond because the word of God was dictating what they did. Hallelujah. Christ was raised uh, from the dead. Why? Because he said he would be. Three days, I'm going to be like Jonah. I'm going to be raised up. He said it over and over. We know he said it so many times that the Pharisees went to Pilate and said, look, you got to put guards around that tomb because he said he was going to rise from the dead and we can't have that nonsense. So he, they understood that the word was going to raise this guy from the dead and they knew that it was already prophesied. So you as a church are called to transform your own lives through the distribution of the living word. Now, there was another case where Jesus had this huge following. And um, he's like, you know, I don't know, he would be like Bill Johnson today. You know, he's got thousands of people coming to his conferences, right? They're all like, oh my God, that guy multiplies food. If you're sick, he'll heal your sickness. We need what he has. And so they kept following him, kept following him. And then he gives the famous speech called the speech uh, of cannibalism, right? Where he's like, okay, everybody listen up. You're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're all like, I'm sorry, what? 
And so all of the followers left him because they were like, what you're saying is so weird. How do we even, how do we even understand that? I, I'm sorry, but that goes, that's weird. That's freakish. It's kind of circusy, right? And Jesus looked around and saw that everybody was gone and everybody had peaced out except for the disciples. And he said this to them, are, are you going to leave me too? And, um, and the disciples said to him, but where will we go? Now, did they say, where will we go? You're the ones with the miracles. You're the one with, um, that is multiplying food. You're the one that's raising the dead. No, they didn't say that. They, he, they said this, you have the words of eternal life. And they understood that they needed to have words like he had words, which is why primarily what they asked him is teach us to pray. Because we got to get words like you've got words because your words have power and you don't pray the way the Pharisees pray. They're all about the show and the boat, but they don't actually see any kind of result. And when you speak to the winds, the winds go away. When you speak to the waves, they calm. When you speak to food, it multiplies. There is something about your words. You see, they understood that. But here's the truth. All creation is actually groaning for the words to come out of the sons of God. And for there to be a company of people on the earth that begin to function like this. And creation is like, listen, guys, time, tick tock. It is time for the sons of God to begin to get the word of God so they can begin to create a future that God has said needs to be established on the earth. Because Jesus is like, I need to come home and I can only come home if you will say, I'm coming home. If the spirit and the bride say, come. I can always tell who believes this by what their lives look like. I can always tell who believes this by what they do with their money, what they do with their time, and what they do with their word. It's like this. If somebody called you up and they said, I got some really good news. So we put a bunch of names in a hat, and Bill Gates pulled your name out of a hat, and therefore, he is going to be your personal mentor. And every morning when you wake up, he's going to have a conference call with you. You guys are going to Skype, and what he's going to do is he's going to give you and make available to you all of his money so that you can invest it. And not only that, but he's going to tell you where to invest that money so that you get a hundredfold return. Then he's going to also talk to you about how to negotiate deals. He's going to tell you about what to say relationally and how to serve other people. And your life is going to be completely made. You're going to have it made. Now, would you say to this person, I would love to do that, 
but I'm really busy. I got to get to work because I got to go do this on my own. How much more is the God of all the universe who, who created you? He already knows your story. He already knows what he has for you, right? We blame the devil for all of our hardships and suffering and lack, but there are three reasons why you're in, still in the wilderness. You want to know what they are? Number one, you're prayerless. If you really believed this, then you would run to prayer to get the instructions and believe that God has good for you and not evil. It's like, God, what are you saying? What are you saying today? I need your word. I really, here's a situation I need to talk to you about. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this? Number two, you don't understand and we don't understand how the kingdom works, that the kingdom is run on words. I want to show you what I have. This is my prayer journal. This is my prayer journal. And I'm having one of these made for everyone here. Um, and it's going to have in it a bunch of uh, promises in the word. But there's also a place where um, you can write down a lot of the prophetic. And I read this out loud over myself every day. Every day. And let me tell you what happens when you do this. When you read the word of God out loud and you put it in, your, uh, in, in first person, what happens is it begins to transform your mind. And all of a sudden, you are like, this is so weird. I'm like a champion of faith. Like all of a sudden, I believe in what I'm actually reading. And so it transforms your mind and you begin to become what it is that you're actually saying. The other thing I do is I read the prophetic word over my life every day, every day, every day. You know what I do? I speak to that mountain and I command it to become a valley. And all obstacles coming against me, resisting me, which is what the enemy is really good at. But who is the enemy compared to the champions of God? No one, no one. It's like a fly get out of my way. I have the word of God in me. It will destroy every word that you've spoken over me, you stinking devil. Right? The third reason really is you need to get your heart healed because out of your heart, your mouth is speaking and you're planting the seeds of the word into the earth, but you're also planting weeds with your tongue that choke out the word. How many of you do that? You're like, I'm believing God. I'm believing God. God, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. I'm just still in the same place. And the Lord's like, oh, okay, let's review. So I, I had a lot of testimonies last week. Uh, you guys saw the the genes that were multiplied in my dryer. I talked to you about food that was multiplied. I mean, th this, is, these are the, this is the kind of life that we're supposed to be living. But we've got to dust off the word and begin to believe the word. And a lot of you have been, and I'm going to talk about this next week, and I'm going to distribute these journals to you. Um, and next week's 
going to be the sixth installment, and I'm calling it, um, what am I calling it? I'm calling it um, Bullets and Bricks. How to war against the enemy and how to pave the road before you, you know, with these golden bricks that we're supposed to be walking on. And so how to build and how to tear down. And, uh, and so it's going to be really practical. Um, and so I want to invite you again to come next week. And, um, and of course, there's going to be some repentance and the changing of our minds. And we've got to get out of this mode of religion. We've got to do it. And it's like, oh, no, I'm not religious because, you know, I'm, I'm a charismatic. <laughs> Guys... It's not about the gifts. It's always been about the word. The gifts are free. It's good. Let's function. Let's heal the sick, whatever, do all of that. But I'm telling you, it is about getting the word of God and letting the word of God work. And as we do this, I've seen in my own life just so much forward momentum. And I know that the only time that my momentum stops is when I'm disobedient and then it's like reverse or when I start complaining. Hit the pause button. All right. Do you still love me? All right. I love you too. Um, all right. So um, we're gonna pr- I'm going to pray over you, but I encourage you again, come back next week and, um, and we'll review this. But also, I want you to know on Thursday nights, we're talking about um, how to have that difficult conversation. We're reviewing that book and just talking about what it is to... to, um, to be able to talk to one another even when we don't or when we're mad at each other so that we can continue to grow in love and and understanding one another and and um and being brothers and sisters in Christ right so i encourage you to come on thursday nights as well so um why don't you stand Also, somebody has a problem in their upper arm. They've either pulled it through exercise or they slept on it wrong right up here. Uh, I want to pray for you afterwards and take care of that. It was hurting me all during worship. I was like, (laughs) ow. So, uh, Lord, I just thank you for your word, God. I thank you for the revelation of your kingdom. Thank you, Father, that you've called us to be the head and not the tail. God, I thank you for the power and the anointing and the grace that you're giving our body to begin to function in the way of your kingdom. And I thank you, Father, that this city shall be saved because there's a company of people that have said, I believe. I believe in your word. And I have become a faith champion because of this. And I'm grabbing hold of your word and I'm not letting it go. And I thank you, Father, for releasing that faith over us, releasing your grace over us, and blessing us today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been inspired by this message, we invite you to partner with us by visiting storehousedallas.com forward slash give.